0: Welcome to Educate with Dr. Jefferson, the talk show that makes the connections between research, policies, and practitioners that are too often missing from the American education system. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Jefferson. Good day, listeners. Welcome to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. I am your host, Jonathan Jefferson. You can learn more about me at my show page on TalkZone.com. What is the purpose of K-12 education? During the Industrial Revolution, the purpose was to keep children from competing in the workforce with their parents. Today, preparing students for college and careers is the goal. Are schools structured to do this? I attended Thomas A. Edison Technical and Vocational High School in Queens, New York during the 80s. My classmates and I had a choice between technical coursework, such as pharmaceutical and engineering, and vocational training, such as automotive, electrical, and plumbing. If a problem needed fixing or teachers needed their car service, my peers would handle it. Today, many of my classmates are master plumbers, pharmacists, and engineers. Quite a few are also retired military. We benefited from clearly defined college and career pathways. My first guest, Stacy Reed, is director of guidance, scholarships, recruitment, and academic rigor for the Uniondale School District on Long Island in New York. Stacy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon to you. Um, how would you define college and career readiness?
1: Um, there are many ways I would define college and career readiness, but the most important tenets of college and career readiness are for students to be able to either pursue post-secondary education without taking courses in remediation and be prepared to take on the rigors of college-level coursework. Um Oftentimes, they'll find students that go into college or are accepted to college, and when they take a placement test, they're just not prepared for college-level work. They have to take some remediation, either in math or English, or sometimes reading to be able to get them to the place where they can take coursework, that they can earn credits towards obtaining that bachelor's or associate's degree. Um, for career readiness and college readiness, it's very important for students to be able to have the necessary interpersonal skills to collaborate and work on a team, to be members of a collaborative working team, to be able to negotiate and um, to to offer ideas and, and to be part of a functioning unit. They need to be able to th- think critically and problem solve, and they need when I say problem-solve, being able to say, okay, I need to get to point B, but what do I need to do between point A and B if I really just don't know how to get there and be able to navigate those systems, be able to access the necessary resources to problem-solve and think critically. And um, it takes a lot to, to get there, and many of our students, unfortunately, we see just don't know what to do. How, they'll ask you questions like, how do I go register? Who do I need to talk to? And those are the things and the necessary skills the students need to be able to navigate and do on their own to either register for school or be able to be part of a working environment and a career.
0: Now, do you believe the need for remediation is an issue with regards to the curriculum offered in in the high schools, or is it that we're too lax in, in grading the students?
1: I think that there definitely is a major disconnect between high schools and colleges and universities. And and I know that there's some talk to have more articulation and collaboration to say when a student gets out of 12th grade, when they graduate, what are the necessary skills that they need to be able to do to be successful in coursework? And I think that's a lot of what Common Core is trying to do now. Unfortunately, there's... um, this dark cloud over Common Core because of the testing associated with it. But once I, once we are able to iron out the kinks and the rollout becomes more smoothly, I think if the conversations and the educators at the state level have conversations between colleges and universities in the high school setting and bridge that gap for the articulation where those educations, educators from K-12 are talking to the college educators of what do those students need to be able to do when they come to us, then we'll be doing a better service for our students um, in preparing them for college-level coursework.
0: Excellent, excellent. I definitely agree. Now, do you believe that the only major issues with Common Core is truly the assessments and possibly also the emphasis on tying those assessments to uh, teacher evaluations and principal evaluations?
1: That's not the only um, concern I have about Common Core. I bel- When you look at what Common Core is trying to do, it speaks to all of the tenants that I previously spoke about in terms of what students need to be college and career ready. But I do think it's hard for a student who has gone through our K-12 educational system and now maybe is in 10th grade and is used to performing at the the level that was required before. And now we've introduced this common core close to their end of their K-12 experience and it may shake them up a little bit. Okay. So I think perhaps and this is just my own personal opinion Um, as an educator, perhaps if we had a phase-in model with Common Core, if we started with the lower levels and we progressed, and as those students started their K-12 experience with Common Core, they would have been adjusted to that type of learning experience. That's not to say that our 11th graders can't do it. I just think it's very difficult to have them shift their thinking in course content across the board when they're looking to graduate, I just think it's too late for them. Um, Not that it should never happen, but perhaps if the phase-in started in elementary school and kind of gradually built up, those students would have experienced it, and now they've become accustomed and understand the demands of what Common Core is looking for. Not that those demands are are bad. I think they're magnificent for our students. I do think that we should be able to demand um, and get more of our students. So we can be more competitive with our broader um, co- um, constituents. You know, we see students in Japan and China overseas that are outperforming our United States students, and it's because we're not equipping them the way that those students are equipped. And uh, I think that this is what Common Core is looking to do, and um, I think it will be a magnificent thing. But the rollout needs to be, my opinion is the rollout needs to be looked at more closely.
0: That's a very fair point, and I concur. I agree that it's a a rollout issue. And before you can tie it to principals and or teachers, we need probably a dozen years worth of Common Core before we can really see, well, every kid has had it from K through 12, then we can see how effective it's been in, in, you know, measuring us against the rest of the world.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: Now, you mentioned the interpersonal relationships that students need in order to collaborate and in order to be effective in college and and work environment. Do you find that certain students, for example, students who are involved in teams or students who are involved in um, music and art performances, do you find those students more prepared for the interpersonal side of it than students who may be less engaged?
1: Uh, I I think I do. I would have to say I agree with that. And And I think that that comes for being part of a team. They're, they're, there are different skills that skill sets that students need to possess, and um, I give a lot of credit to many coaches that that instill sportsmanship and character development. Um, and I'm not taking away anything from what needs to be done in the home, but I do think that those co-curricular um, experiences add to the student's readiness, the preparedness, I should say, in terms of development, developing those interpersonal skills.
0: Okay. Now, how does your school district prepare students for college and careers?
1: Uh, well, Uniondale, we are fortunate. Um, we have a, a a school called BOCES that we partner with. And um, BOCES is a school where some students, they offer all the different types of services. But one of the services that they offer are vocational training and um, career and technical ed training to, to students. And Uniondale has... Um, They'd committed to being able to send uh, a group of students there. Unfortunately, it's, it's a lot of money per student. Um, Sometimes, depending on what trade or um, course of study a student can take, it can range anywhere between seven thousand to thirteen thousand dollars per pupil. Thirteen thousand dollars per pupil. Um, so students go to these for a half day and. Uh, receive this training. They can receive training in cosmetology, automotive, elect- electrical, um, wiring, HVAC, um, animal care, medical billing and coding. Um, they just have a variety of course offerings for our students. And typically our students from Uniondale, the district sends anywhere between 100 and 135 students a year. And it depends on, of course, the budget. Um and those students are able to learn these skills um, and have experience to careers that they may be interested in, barbering. And those students that that attend both these, um, I definitely they have a vested interest because you see that they're making some real life connections and relevance to what may happen to them after high school, and they're more vested in making that connection to what they are looking to do as far as their career um, experience. So there are students that go for dental assisting, and there many of those um, young men and women want to become dental hygienists or dental assistants, and they're excited because when they're finished and they graduate, they have the opportunity to go and um, earn money and earn, start their careers if they're not looking to move on to their post-secondary endeavors. My uh, next-door neighbor, he was a very bright student in high school and always wanted to go to... Um, to college and earn a master's and he went to both these to in pursuit automotive and believe it or not he worked while he was in college at a bmw dealership as a mechanic and earned more money and that, that he's still doing now than he does with the mba from dowling
0: wow wow that's an excellent example
1: so now, those things are happening and they're real and tangible experiences for our young people
0: okay now for our listeners who are not familiar with uh, New York State's structure, there are about a dozen or so BOCES, which is Board of Cooperative Educational Services, and what it does is it pools resources from many districts in a community. For example, if you're in Nassau County, it would be a Nassau County BOCES, and all of the districts instead of having each having their own. Uh, vocational or or technical or whatever the service or testing service, they would share the their resources by going through a local BOCES. Um, Stacy, does BOCES offer students the options like higher level options such as uh, pre engineering or pre medicine?
1: Uh, no, um, most of those courses are, are not designed that way. Most of the courses offered at BOCES will allow students to graduate and be able to to pursue some type of work, um, but it's not like that preparedness. I know one of our valedict not valedictor's our um, students who graduated. Not last year, the year before in the top 10% of our class, he's interested in, he was interested in becoming a medical doctor and he went to both these for medical assistance. So he was able to, to garnish some, um, some knowledge about the medical profession through that coursework and he, he said to me that that experience was, um, paramount to him and Fostering the love of more of wanting to learn more about medicine, and actually, he actually became a pioneer within the district to try to get every student to, to look into both these. Unfortunately, the district does just not does not have enough of the fiscal resources to be able to allow those opportunities to the the entire student body, especially our 11th and 12th graders who are allowed to go.
0: Okay, so the burden of cost lands on the district, so parents are not charged for their child attending the BOCES, is that correct?
1: No, no, parents are not charged. Actually, um, it's the school district budget that supports that, and you know that um, the school district budget is supported by property taxes primarily, of course, there's state aid and federal aid. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of property tax um, that goes into school district budgets here at Long Island.
0: Okay, well, it's time to take a short break, but stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this.
1: Welcome back to Educate on Talk Zone.
0: Here's Dr. Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our guest Stacy Reed. If you'd like to join our conversation, the phone lines are open 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. We're taking your calls on Talk Zone. Now, Stacy, what percentages of your students choose college or pursue a career?
1: Um, of the class of 2013, we had 85% of our students um, pursue post-secondary endeavor um, education and 15% that either went on to the military or to the world of work or went to vocational training. Um, of the 85%, 39% went on to four-year colleges and 46% went on to, a, to two-year schools.
0: Now, do you believe the percentage attending two-year schools is a matter of cost?
1: I believe that um, the economy plays a lot into it. Um, you know, there was there was this ne- negative stigma of the student that went on to a two-year school, and what I've tried to, um, to share with both parents and um, district officials and the Board of Education is that many students are choosing two-year schools because either they did not do well in high school, or even if they did do well in high school, they're not really sure of what they want to major in. So they make the decision to go to a two-year school, complete those um, basic college requirements, those basic core courses, and then transfer to that four-year school of their choice. And that saves them a lot of money um, because you know that the cost for a community college is much um more reasonable than going to a private or even a public four-year school. Absolutely. Um, so we have a lot of students making those decisions. Um, and if you if you look at Nassau Community College, which is a, a very fine institution across Long Island, and compare many of our neighboring districts within Suffolk and Nassau County, even more of our affluent districts, we will see... Um, actually, Nassau Community College did a study... And you will see students from coming from very affluent districts who typically go to Harvard and top tier one schools, Tufts, Wesleyan, schools like that. Their cho- students are choosing to go to two year school, Nassau Community College, get out those, get knock those basic core courses out of the way, and then transfer into those to those um, more challenging and rigorous schools, more popular schools, because they've cut the cost now. Instead of grad- having $40,000 a year debt for four years, they now make it for two years. And they get a bachelor's degree from whatever that school of their choice is. So it's become a very... Um, lucrative practice and decision for our students and I think that once adults start to shift their mindset and understand it doesn't mean that a student will never go on to pursue their post secondary endeavors at a more rigorous college or university it means that they've chosen this starting point for financial reasons for maturity reasons even to get their grade point average up I saw a student who really wanted to go to Emory And he did not have the GPA. He went to Nassau, graduated with a 3.9, and transferred into Emory. So that's another route to get to Emory. But they're still on their post-secondary travel.
0: Now, you make a very good point. And, in fact, I benefited from going to starting college in the 80s, and I went to a city college uh, because I really didn't want to go to college, quite frankly. (laughs) I wanted to go to the Marine Corps. And uh, two days before shipping out to Paris Island, they learned that I suffered migraines, and was taking medication for, for it, which I tried to hide. And they said, you can't go. So wow. I ended up reluctantly going to a city college and I benefited a great deal because I could, I worked two or three jobs and I was able to pay my way through college. Whereas today that's almost impossible unless you're working an incredibly high paying job. Um, in which case you probably wouldn't need college. Right. But I, I had no idea for the first year and a half in college what I wanted to do. I, I took computer studies because I was told that's where the money is. Right. And I hated it when I was taking the uh, some of the Turbo Pascal and these other you know you know tech, computer technical courses, and I had to sit in accounting class, and I had to look forward to economics. I was miserable, right? So, um, and really wishing I had gone to the uh, to the uh, Marine Corps. However, when I took a fitness for living class. And I learned so much about heart rate and cholesterol. And it was so exciting. I was like, wow, this is actually a college course. This is awesome. And that's when I shifted my focus to the health field. So it really took me over a year to, to, to kind of find my groove. Right. Now, do you find that um, with the cost of four-year colleges now, that they also don't offer enough liberal arts so that students within that Framework of that particular school that they really want to go to don't get the option to shift or change without losing credits?
1: Um, I, I think that I haven't found that. I just think that, um, students feel because the cost of the credits are so expensive at the four year schools, there is less room to, to explore. Okay. Um so I think that that's that's what's happening. I mean, if you go to a community college and uh, you know don't quote me, but if 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 a credit is $100 at a private school, for one credit could be $400. Absolutely. So you're not utilizing that time to kind of figure it out and then we find a lot of our students and I'm sure you've heard these stories, they're in these four-year schools and they graduate with a degree and then they're like I don't want to do this. <laughs> um so I think that the two-year school offers the student that opportunity to mature and, and really think about it. And even if their child is working, it allows them to have that workforce experience to also develop those interpersonal skills and those um, critical thinking skills and things that they're going to need later in life and even in college um, in a different place. And I just think that the two-year school option – is a viable option for many students, and I just wish that many educators and parents and communities would open their mind up to the possibilities of what uh, community college and two-year schools can offer our students.
0: Okay, I agree with you wholeheartedly. In fact, I know of a student from your district, actually, many years ago, I believe it was class of t- 2009, he was able to get grants uh, because of his income, his family's income level. He was able to get grants to pay for Harvard. Right. And first of all, getting into Harvard was a, you know, he earned his way into Harvard from hard work. Um, but what I found is that because I'm still in touch with that family is that because he didn't have any burden of having to work part time or really put in any effort into paying for his courses, he kind of floundered. He got his, he earned his degree. Um, in a a subfield of social work. But it's a degree that he you just mentioned how students graduate and they don't really want the degree. They don't know what to do with it. And I'm like, wow, this youngster has a four year Harvard degree that he absolutely has no idea what to do with or even right. has an interest in. Right. So, you know, so I actually like the idea of students working, you know, work your way through college. Don't, don't expect your parents to pay your way through college. Um, maybe I'm biased because I had to pay my way through college. Right. You know, but I do think they would focus in more on re- what their passion truly is because they're paying for it and they right. will really look toward earning after they graduate. That's, that's my opinion.
1: I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Dr. Jefferson. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Now, Stacey, if you had two wishes, what would you wish for your students in the immediate future?
1: Wow, two wishes. Hmm. Well, I, I would... I, I
0: used one of them. I know there's a genie in a bottle that gives us three, but I had to say I used one, so <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's
0: only two left.
1: <laughs> well, I'll take two. Um, I I would love if our students, more students, could be exposed to career and technical education. Um, I think... Think, and I believe that that is the pathway that educators education should look um, to move in. Um, because you know, many times we ha- I see it in the guidance office all the time. Students are taking a math class or a chemistry class or whatever class it is, and they just say, "You know what? I just don't understand the relevance of this. How is this going to be applicable to what I'm going to do when I graduate? Why do I need to know this?" And I think. Oftentimes, students car car um departmentalize what they're learning, and they kind of separate it for how it can it will affect them or how they can use it. You know, today we had career day at the middle school, and I met a police officer, and he said, "You know what? I'm now using physics to investigate um, car accidents." Mm. And I was like, "Wow! Like, what kind of message would that be to have a?" to say to a student in physics is saying, you know, any of you in law enforcement, you may not think you need this physics class, but this officer who was in high school in the early 80s is saying that he uses physics to investigate car accidents and crime scenes. Absolutely. So I just think that we, if we can expose more students to career and technical education while they're in school... We will see an increase in graduation rate. We will see an increase in attendance. We will see an increase in students really taking responsibility and having that urge to be lifelong learners because they make that connection to say, when I'm done with this, this is how this is going to be relevant. You know, sometimes we're in conversations or things that interest us are those things that are relevant to us. And we can do that by increasing career and technical education options for our students. So that would be my my first wish, either increasing okay. the number of students that could be exposed to BOCES or creating more career and technical educational components or strands within the K-12 system.
0: Okay. Now, considering the cost of sending students to BOCES, you mentioned it was over $10,000. Uh, would it be feasible or more economic for, for school districts to offer a bond to the community and bring some of those, uh, options to their own high school? For example, build an automotive wing or, or a culinary arts studio right at your own high school and then more students can engage in it and in the long run it may save you per student. Is that? Oh,
1: that's the way I definitely, um, you know, I would definitely appreciate that because then it's in the school. It belongs to the community. Uh, sending students out for both these, yeah, that's what we're doing now, and I wish that I could expose more students to it, but your avenue is absolutely the way to go to create those mechanisms within the school district so st- students can feel more of a connection to their home school and understand that this school is preparing them, besides academically, um, for the the, the, the the other coursework to to prepare them for life after their post-secondary endeavors or for their post-secondary endeavors. They may say, you know, a student may take dental assisting as a, a, in high school and say, you know what, that's what I really want to do. And by the third course, they figure out that this is not what I want to do, and they can move on to something else. So the exposure to those things, I can find my niche in high school. So when I go to college, I'm ready to pursue something that I've really found an interest in.
0: Excellent. Excellent, and thank you for sharing such uh, pertinent information that many listeners uh, may not be aware of. We, we've been speaking with Stacey Reed, the Director of Guidance, Scholarships, Recruitment, and Academic Rigor for the Uniondale School District on Long Island in New York. Stacy, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Good luck to you.
0: Thank you. Stay tuned because our next guest works with school districts across multiple states, assisting them with college and career transitions. We'll yeah.